my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How okay. was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah. What's up? I'm Laura Carrenti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back, Adlandia. We've got a great show. An old friend, Steve Wilson coming on to talk all things podcasting and audio. And speaking of, the IAB upfronts were last week. So many new shows announced. Really fascinating stats, though not surprising. The podcast space projected to bring in a billion dollars this year in 2021, expected to double in the next two years. So while the space is certainly showing no signs of slowing down, I think, Alexa, what we're going to get into a bit with Steve is the innovation side of audio and podcasting and not just looking at it as a place to integrate, you know, pre-rolls, mid-rolls, post-rolls, but really thinking about form factors, new IP development, et cetera. I think that audio and podcasting has not reached 
its full potential, not even close yet. And so when the IAB comes out and says, we're a billion dollar industry now, that's just scratching the surface. And really, it's really focused on advertising dollars, kind of traditional advertising dollars. What you and I have been talking about is where's the opportunity where we could be expanding what I'll say is the definition of podcasting and audio. The idea that creators could be using the platform live to create and collaborate is so exciting. So actually create the art, create the content live with other participants. There's so many opportunities with that. The other thing that I think that is really exciting is this idea of you know the traditional episodic series or even an author like Malcolm Gladwell getting on the mic and writing live, really taking the spoken word to the next level. When you start thinking of that and you start thinking of social audio platforms and audio platforms as places to express the spoken word, all of a sudden, the ideas kind of are endless. These ideas of characters being created that maybe only live in audio and all of a sudden have created this whole new sound experience that you're frankly walking people through and something that they could potentially participate in. I think we just haven't gotten there in terms of figuring out what audio is going to feel like, what this kind of immersive audio experience are going to feel like. And at this point, sky's the limit to the point where we could be reinventing what meetings feel like. We could be reinventing in terms of how we bring new ideas to the table, not just in a PowerPoint, but spoken word storytelling, bringing in collaborators to bring something to life. Yeah, there's so many provocative thoughts in that. This has me thinking about The Bomber Mafia, the new audiobook from Malcolm Gladwell and Pushkin that comes with a downloadable PDF that helps to provide just enough additional context to get up to speed. So I think this mashup of mediums and, and finding new use cases for the space, um, as you said, we're just beginning to scratch the surface of new and innovative ways to bring storytelling to life. I couldn't agree more. And I love the Bomber Mafia example. It got me thinking so much about what is the future of book publishing? What's the future of authorship in a text format that now can be translated into an audio world? And I I think we both encourage our listeners to download Bomber Mafia. It is impressive. It is, it is theater. It is theater. And also a look into the future. And with that, Steve Wilson. We'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. 
LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. And we're back on the mic with longtime friend, podcast extraordinaire, Steve Wilson. Ah, Steve Wilson! (laughs) Hey guys, so happy to be with you. Steve Wilson, the chief strategy officer of Q-Code. Steve, we go back. This episode is years in the making. I think we were saying, what, 2015, 2016? Physically, we met in 2016. At the Soho Apple Store, Malcolm Gladwell was doing his live finale, right? Yeah. Of Revisionist, Revisionist History. Oh, we yeah, met that's there. Right. Yeah. You were a big fan of the message that we created at GE, and you were this kind of amazing supporter. And um, we just like a friendship started from there. It's been incredible and, and certainly a long time in the making. Thanks for having me, guys. I remember the first time, yeah, meeting you guys in person was in New York, kind of uh, after an event at the Apple store in Soho, um, you know, Apple had done an event for Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History podcast. I had worked uh, when I was at Apple on The Message, um, which you guys did such a brilliant job of with Panoply. And so I don't know during that campaign if we worked as much directly together or both just kind of via Panoply, but 
knew of uh, knew of you guys and your amazing work, and uh, I think it, I think the rest is history. Um, and I think I would sh- I should say you guys have a ton to do with what I'm doing now at Q Code. I think the message and what you guys did there with GE was so innovative. It was one of the shows that really made me pay attention to scripted fiction, uh, along with Limetown uh, and you know uh, the work of Paul Bay and Lauren Shippen. Uh, Fred Greenhalge, and there's a number of amazing creators out there who are doing scripted fiction. And, you know, I really felt like, you know, it, it's a little weird that podcasts have so much uh, fantastic uh, narrative nonfiction, but yet uh, with fiction being such a huge um, component of what we all consume in media, it's a bit underrepresented in podcasts. So anyway, all that to say, I, I really credit you guys a lot with uh, setting me on the, on the journey towards where I ended up at QCode. That's amazing. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. So you were at Apple for 15 years. And it's funny when anyone talks about or talked about Apple podcasts, they would say Steve Olson. Do you know? I mean, you were like synonymous, right? I don't know if you know this. Maybe you do, but like you were synonymous. Yeah. (laughs) There's a big team over there. A lot of people deserve credit for for, uh, podcasts at Apple. and, And I've been in it for a very long time. But was happy to be a part of that team. Absolutely. Steve, when you think about the last 15 years, but namely the last five to six, really since Serial broke through, what have been the big signals you've seen that indicate, you know, just the, the massive amount of growth this particular industry has seen? Yeah, well, I, I think it's incredible where we're at today. You know, podcasts have gone through a number of different eras, I, I think you could say. And and you're right, you know, certainly Serial. And I would also credit uh, Gimlet and what they did with Startup being a really special inflection point, uh, fun uh, sort of history. Those two podcasts came out the same month alongside of Apple making podcasts pre-installed on every shipping iOS device yeah. in October of 2014. So together, you got this breakout global number one hit. You got Startup telling the business story of podcasts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the amazing company that became Gimlet. And Apple's app making it easier than ever for someone to one tap listen to a show. So I think there was this sort of lightning in a bottle moment that I, I think there's going to be or should be case studies on uh, on all of that and how it's grown. But since that time, you know, yeah, there's now over two million podcasts in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. The content's incredible, and I think we've seen this great virtuous circle of you know audience, which has led to more revenue in podcasts, which has led to greater publisher investment and creator investment. Uh, and it's been this flywheel that's really created the growth that we're seeing today. And, you know, if you go back, it's kind of funny. You'd hear people ask questions like, do you listen to podcasts? You know, <laughs> which is such a funny question. You'd never say, do you, do you read books? Do you watch movies? But somehow that was a really normal question to ask back in 2015, 2016, 2017. But I think we're now at a place where podcasts are mainstream. Uh, there's so much great content to listen to. And, and yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think we've seen sort of a, you know, too much, too many shows, right? We we're not um, sitting back thinking, you know, why bother create a new movie or create a create a uh, write a book, right? There's so much room for innovation and new stories to be told uh, in podcasting. You talked about fictional you storytelling, and Q Code is narrative audio production. You guys are focusing a lot on fictional storytelling, and. When we started the message, fictional storytelling was like very rare, very rare, like really going back to like almost, you know, radio theater of like the 30s. And 
there wasn't kind of this reboot of that. What are you doing at Q Code that you're putting a lot of effort into fictional storytelling? Like, what's the future there? Yeah, I think, you know, Q Code, we really think of ourselves as a, a storytelling company first and foremost, and we do specialize in scripted fiction. So, you know, the company was started by Rob Herding, who was a longtime agent. Um, and he really saw an opportunity to tell new kinds of stories. You know, Hollywood can be a bit risk adverse for a variety of reasons. And in an audio, you have uh, a really amazing opportunity to combine an incredible story with amazing talent and really be innovative on the technical side. And those are, those are some of the things that Qcode's really focused on. So I think, you know, as we're looking to the future of, of narrative audio, we're thinking a lot about how we can tell stories in ways that people haven't before, you know, and I, I love the comparison to, you know, old time radio. I think it's a really apt one. There's been some incredible creators. There's an amazing community around audio drama, um, like r slash audio drama on Reddit has 100,000 people who uh, love and are making this kind of content. And I think Qcode is really excited just to be a part of that community, making things that, you know, will delight people and in, in different kinds of ways. Side note, our producer, Ryan, is a fictional, well, he does everything, but he created the Angel of Vine. Oh, amazing. He's like head now. He wants to get in on this conversation. He's like, ah, yes. Ryan, just grab a mic. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I love hearing all about it. <laughs> but I think it's, it's funny because when we met Ryan and he started talking to us about this particular side of podcasting, one of the things that we kind of geeked out on was that it is still really nascent. It is actually hard to create great fictional audio. Why do you think it is such an untapped genre? I'd love to hear what, what Steve thinks <laughs> first and foremost. I was waiting for Ryan. Um, yeah, please go for it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the barriers to entry are low when it comes to fiction, but I think that also creates a certain amount of folks that are just figuring out the kinks and working out their voice as storytellers. And uh, there's a lot that goes into a production, especially when you start involving celebrity talent and the expectations that come with that from a storytelling perspective, where um, folks don't realize just how much goes into the musicality of having to uh, create for one sense if you will, like things stick out like a sore thumb from a storytelling perspective when all you have is your ears. And that's the thing that I think people miss is that just the ability to create a immersive story without overdoing it on the audio. I think that's right. You know, there, there's some incredible audio fiction out there that, you know, sometimes feels like it could be, you know, um, simplified. Sometimes people try to do too much in the audio. And, uh, you know, I think, that there's an opportunity to really think about, you know, things like sound effects and dialogue. And, and, and that's tricky, too, like in a new way that don't feel like, you know, it's relying on things like a, a narrator. So, totally. you know, Q-Code, Q-Code has some of those shows that, um, you know, have a, a narrator voice. or there's a, I guess what I'd call a conceit for why this conversation is being recorded. Uh, but there's other ones. And, and we're moving to uh, shows that have sort of a whole fly on the wall perspective, like Unwanted, which is a... 80s action comedy uh, starring Lamorne Morris. You're just sort of a, you know, a, a presence in that room listening to the main characters sort of joke around and laugh and experience the world as they go through that series. Let's click in for a second on less so genre, more so what makes podcasting successful. Steve, you've had an up close and personal look 
at the full range of work that has been in the market over the last decade. What are the core or staple ingredients that you have seen time and time again resonate with audiences that keep it you know, top of mind for its listeners and, and maybe even on the top charts? Yeah, I, I think that this is a overused expression, but it's so true. You know, I think podcasts have to offer a real strong benefit to a listener. And those things are the, you know, entertain, inform, and inspire, you know, which which feels so often said. But but in podcasts is so true, right? You have to think about how and and one of the exciting things in podcasts is that this is a medium that fits into a different modality in people's lives oftentimes, right? So um, and I think for marketers and advertisers out there, it's something to consider as well. There's so many things competing for our visual attention, right? You know, TikTok is competing with Snapchat, it's competing with YouTube, it's competing with Netflix, any other video that's out there in the world or any app that's out there in the world. Oftentimes, podcast listening fits into a time when we're on our commute or we're working out or we're being intentional about taking a walk and being uh, screen free. And so I think they really have provided this good, um, uh, good and positive escape for people as they're uh, going about their daily lives. And I think that is an area in which you want to have a really high value experience, if you will, with the content you're uh, consuming. So it's got to be really entertaining or really informative. The content's got to make the most use of that time that you're allotting it because oftentimes podcasts are a little longer than other mediums, 20 to 40 minutes or beyond. And, uh, you know, really engaging personalities, right? Whether that's uh, a chat show or interview or someone who can really hold an audience, but bring that sense of community uh, into someone's ears. And, and oftentimes, you know, the word intimacy is used in relation to podcasting because it becomes such a, uh, a personal experience that you have with the, the person that you're listening to oftentimes hours per week. I think a lot of the return um, that we see, especially from an advertising perspective, would indicate that, yeah, this is a medium that is uninterrupted or largely uninterrupted in terms of, you know, things like recall. There's other elements like cover art. You know, at one point, I feel like you uh, had a whole side gig on critiquing cover art and people were like tweeting you work in progress designs to get your feedback. Um, What are those additives that really round out or allow a show to break through in, in such a cluttered environment, and particularly in some of the genres, there's just so much. What are those maybe secret ingredients that you might recommend people really think twice about? Yeah, well, e- even though this is an audio medium, visual design, of course, still matters. And I think, you know, is, is how people are going to find your show and get insight into what it's all about. And so, you know, uh, that starts with the artwork that you put up on the platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and, and everywhere else to provide uh, potential listeners with um, a sense for what your show is going to be about. And I think take people further into the world. So as we think about scripted fiction at Qcode, we're trying to always strike that balance uh, in, in our visual design of providing enough information about the world while also leaving a lot of room for the listener's imagination. Because that's a really fun aspect of what we're doing. You know, the listener can he- you know think about what that character looks like in their own way. Um, so I think... That kind of uh, visual design is really important. And then, of course, all the other elements of your product packaging, which are your metadata, your titles, your descriptions, all of that really matters. And as you think about this as a digital product alongside of anything else out there that is competing for people's attention, I should say, you know, podcast sort of packaging uh, really makes a difference in terms of how uh, a consumer might resonate with your, your show. 
I love that you're calling um, a podcast a product. I think that's how we've always thought about it. It's really important for brands and marketers to start thinking about podcasting, original content and audio and podcasting as a product. So Malcolm Gladwell just launched his first designed for audio book, Bomber Mafia. And the Wall Street Journal was covering the launch. And something that he said that I think is so right on and is going to lead us to think about podcasting and audio storytelling in a very different way. He said, we think with our eyes and feel with our ears. Audio is actually a visual medium, if done right. And so if you think about it like this, like brands could be using audio to describe something visually or to create an experience. Is a different word for visual imagination because I just had the head exploding emoji as you said that, right? Because like <laughs> when I think of like visual medium in the same way we engage with books, you know, Steve said the word That's escapism. Exactly right. I want to imagine the world that you're bringing me into. And my experience or world is going to be different from yours, Steve, different from yours, Alexa. And isn't that then what makes this such a personal and intimate medium? So Alexa, as you said that, I was like... Well, that's right. And and Laura, I mean, like, think about the opportunity in audio to actually be more linear about what I'm trying to show you, what I'm trying to tell you, or the experience I actually want you to have. Let me walk you through what when you open the Lay's potato chips in the middle of the summer and you're eating a hot dog and what that crunch is like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I love that. Right? It describes a character too. Like Sandy opened the bag of Lay's potato chips. Like, I mean, I think she's auditioning right now, Steve. I'm totally (laughs) auditioning. Ryan knows I'm auditioning, (laughs) by the way. He knows I'm auditioning. No, I'm just kidding. Have we gone there yet in the industry to really think about about this is like another step in seeing immersive storytelling. Guys, I, I love this so much. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, head, the head blown emoji is an apt example. And, I, and I'm so excited that you guys are seeing this. I think, you know, we're just scratching the surface in terms of what's possible. I love that you talked about retention, uh, Laura, a second ago. I was looking at Q Code's numbers uh, the other day and I realized we have a nearly 100% completion rate. For our shows, that means that a listener, once they start listening through, they listen all the way to the end. So, you know, in podcasting, there's typically ad spots, free, mid, and post roll. Your listeners, of course, will be familiar with this. Um, but I think that that's a real opportunity for brands to get their message involved in different parts of the traditional advent, uh, podcast ad- advertising uh, inventory. QCode's done a variety of things so far. We've had some amazing brand partners across our shows, including. Sonos and uh, you know Dipsy was a sponsor on a Dirty Diana, which is a female erotica show. Um, we've also done some creative things with brands around how their message can integrate into the world of the characters, and I think we're just scratching the surface. Let's scratch that for a second. If we're really thinking about the tangible value exchange of what audio provides, this intimacy of forty minutes of immersive storytelling, what is the dream ad model? Well, look, I think that there's tons of opportunities depending on what brands are interested in. Their traditional ad spots still make a lot of sense in those pre, mid, and post roll. Uh, I'll give you an example with uh, Unwanted, which I mentioned before. It's an 80s action comedy. The premise are these two slackers um, uh, track down an escaped convict to get a million dollar reward. And this person is, you know, they're way out of their league, right? Uh, With this show, we developed a whole series of ads for Mack Weldon 
that sort of teased and made fun of the characters and how they, you know, they're so incompetent that they probably also wear bad underwear and they, they should be instead of wearing Mack Weldon. It's a great series. You got to give it a listen. But the, the opportunity to get further involved in our stories is, is really uh, exciting. Uh, and one of the things I would say about scripted fiction is this is the known quantity. So if you're a brand who wants to get your message in podcasts, but you worry about how you, you, know, you don't want to necessarily go full programmatic advertising, and you also are a little unsure about having your ad read by, by talent, you know, scripted fiction gives you an opportunity to craft a message around your brand and perhaps even integrate it in the story. You could imagine how our two characters in that story might have been making their plans to hunt down that escape convict while playing PlayStation or eating Domino's or, you know, what have you. There's so many opportunities, I think, for brands to actually be creative, have fun with the audience and, and do things like branded content or product placement, but in a way that don't feel overly, you know, uh, like they're taking away from the story, I think is, is really a fun thing that we want to see and explore more at Qcode. I think that's exciting. I also think that, you know, podcasting since it started or since it started really taking off, let's say 2013, 2014 with advertising, like the pre-roll, mid-rolls that you're talking about, that it has been a huge driver for acquisition, right? So, you know, if you ask any DTC brand, they'll say, yeah, we put a ton of money into podcasting. And I think now with audio, we have an opportunity to not only really seamlessly combine story and programming and character and narrative and all of these things, but also really more performance marketing. So is that something you think is a place for real innovation in the kind of marketing space? Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a ton of great startup companies out there trying to do more things around measurement, attribution. You know, Chartable is one great outlet who's really taken the lead and to help in that uh, data uh, side of, of podcast measurement. Um, and I think you're right, though. That said, the direct response advertisers and brands have seen a huge return in podcasts. So huge. As more brands that don't quite fit into the direct response model come on board, I think some of that data will certainly help uh, you know, people understand how their message is performing in podcasts. But also an opportunity to create audio identity. What have you seen in the podcast space in terms of innovation as it relates to audio identity on behalf of brands? I got to tell you guys about Hank the Cowdog, which is a kid's show starring Matthew McConaughey. Uh, Hank the Cowdog was a beloved kid's book series um, out of Texas. And for that show, Q-Code worked with uh, grocery chain HEB. Are you guys familiar with HEB? Yes. So with HEB, Q-Code actually created an original jingle and song that played in Hank the Cowdog. The recall and you know memory of that jingle was so great. We, we were getting uh, emails and even in our ratings and reviews on Apple Podcast, people were crediting HEB with being a co-producer of the actual podcast itself. And teachers and parents were writing to say that their kids kept singing the song over and over again. And Q-Code is really investing in sound and audio and music uh, you know, in our shows themselves, but also with our brand partners. Our head of music, Darren, uh, is an incredible guy. I got to just uh, you know, uh, pump him up for a second. Darren uh, is a classically trained uh, pianist. He was touring with Paula Abdul when he was discovered by Miles Davis and toured with him a couple of times uh, you know, early in his career. Darren yeah, leads music and sound design at Q-Code. And his work has also gone into the messages that we put 
together for our brand partners. Do you think brands understand this space yet, Steve? It's a hard question to answer. You know, it seems to vary uh, a bit by agency you talk to or by brand themselves. And sometimes it's a very personal thing. If that person at the brand is podcast fan and listener, they're, they're pretty familiar. Uh, it's increasing over time, but I think, yeah, what we're seeing right now in, in podcast is how this medium is going mainstream more than ever. You know, Apple had a major announcement uh, around Apple podcast subscriptions. Spotify is doing incredible work. Facebook has been making announcements. We're just going to bring that up. That was literally our next question. So let's go there. So Apple makes the announcement. They're going to do subscriptions for any podcaster that wants to come on to Apple Podcasts and they will split the revenue with them and they will give them the technology, et cetera, et cetera. Q Code was a partner in this. And I'm sure you've been now really on both sides of this, right? Obviously, before you left Apple and now on the partner side with Q Code. What are your what are your thoughts on this? This move by Apple, by Spotify, is actually controversial. A lot of folks are actually saying on the creator side, on the media side, on the VC side, that this could hold back the creator economy and it's actually getting mixed reviews. So in your mind, does this make sense? Is this a good thing for the everyday podcaster? And more than that, is it actually a good thing for the droves of people who are really starting to get into the creator economy vis-a-vis audio and podcasting? Yeah, well, overall, I think it's exciting to see a big investment from Apple in monetization for podcasts. You know, the company's been involved in the medium since pretty much the very beginning, uh, but hasn't offered direct uh, revenue tools or the ecosystem around things like hosting. And so, this is a pretty major update to the industry overall. Uh, certainly, I think you know, offering a diversity of tools for monetization is really powerful. There's been really uh, a lot of success out there. Growing, I should say, uh, around other forms of monetization beyond advertising, including Patreon and patronage in general. Uh, you know, even merch and touring were, were really uh, growing a lot, especially pre-COVID. But um, I think you know, to have a first-party monetization tool from the world's biggest podcast distribution platform is significant. Where a creator being able to be paid is as simple as one tap or Face ID away. And the number of credit cards that Apple has on file is incredible. Now, for your average podcaster, I think, you know, you'll probably likely see a variety of different models continue. You know, with with Apple Podcast subscription, by the way, the content isn't exclusive, nor do you, um, you know, have to stop doing everything and put everything behind a paywall. There's a a freemium model that uh, you can take part in. That's what Qcode is going to do. Can we pause just for a second? Because I want to make sure if our listeners haven't heard about the update. Can you just give us, Steve, the 30-second on what the actual offer is from Apple, just to put it into context? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So Apple announced Apple Podcast Subscriptions, uh, which is uh, the ability for publishers to offer paid subscriptions around their content. And they can do that by offering an individual subscription on a show or a group of shows, which they call a channel. And with that uh, subscription offering, they will split revenue with the creator 70-30 with 70% going to the creator in the first year. And then it goes to you know, 70-30 uh, with Apple keeping 30% the first year. And then after the first year, it would go to 15% in subsequent years. Um, 
This content isn't exclusive. And so you could offer a subscription on Apple Podcasts, but then also distribute your content elsewhere. And does Apple have any ownership rights of the content? No. The best way to think about this is uh, the App Store uh, and how the App Store has a 70-30 split and enables creators and publishers and developers to make their own offer, uh, but have that broad distribution. And so Apple's really following their own playbook of the App Store and making those same feature set available for podcasters. It's exciting to see them offer these tools, frankly, to all podcasters. And I think you know, I would just give them a lot of credit in terms of how they thought about entering the market with this feature set, which wouldn't be disruptive of the current uh, rich ecosystem that exists around advertising and podcasts today. Well, it also seems reflective of what we're seeing in the creator economy at large, right? Everything from Substack to Stir, you know, all of these back end systems that are allowing creators to focus on their craft. I would say too, this revenue model offers Qcode the opportunity to expand creatively as well. Yeah. So all of our shows are going to remain uh, under... under We're, we're going to offer Qcode Plus and all of our shows are going to remain publicly available wherever you listen to podcasts. Under Qcode Plus, a subscriber will get added value there. So those will include things like behind-the-scenes conversations with the creators, you know, little documentary series around the making of. Uh, we can also do creative things like alternate endings. Uh, there, which we're really excited to explore and figure out how you know those features in fiction might might be really positive. And we're also thinking uh, about our brand partners here as well. And so what we're offering under QCode Plus is what we're calling an uninterrupted listening experience. So for our brand partners who want to be a part of the whole series, no matter if the listener is on QCode Plus or not, we're going to figure out how to have that show be able to be integrated. Maybe it's the pre-roll and the post-roll, that brand partner's message in the pre-roll and the post-roll. But really what a lot of fiction listeners really desire is for that story not to be interrupted in the middle. And so we can can work with that and figure out great ways to offer uh, benefits to users under Qcode Plus, but still ensure that our brand partners are integrated in, in smart ways as well. What I love about what Apple and Spotify is going to do, um, with this is exactly what Laura said around the creator economy. And, you know, I think that Apple created monetization uh, and revenue opportunities for a technical group many years ago on the app side. And this is indicative of this new, this is the wave of like the creative renaissance, in my opinion. And I don't think that's an overstatement. I think that Apple making a move and saying that creators and everyday people really coming to the table to create whatever it is in audio should have the opportunity to do so. And they don't need to be worried about the technical side of it. And frankly, we're going to give them an opportunity to monetize. And that begs a question in my mind. Can what I'll call amateur, right? amateur creators, and some of them are not amateur, but let's just say, right, they're not part of a major network. Can amateur creators coexist with professional production companies in this space and professional creators? Well, I think what's exciting about podcasts is that they've actually done that for years. You know, you think about the incredible creators that you know, oftentimes don't get the same recognition in podcasts as maybe other mediums. You know, these podcasters 
uh, have a devoted following and have been doing some of this stuff for a long time. So, you know, as yeah. one example, I'd cite Dan Carlin and his brilliant hardcore history. If you know that show, you know that show. He releases uh, usually one or two episodes a year. And as soon as he does, it goes to number one in the charts. And he's been monetizing his show, uh, you know, individual episodes on his website. Um, I, I don't know, you know, I haven't talked to Dan about what he may be doing in the future around monetization with the features we've been talking about today. But what I get really excited about is he's already been successful in building an audience in podcasting. Uh, his show comes out so irregularly that, you know, it, it feels like he might really benefit from these additional models and the ease with which people can actually pay him for his his work through these tools. Yeah. And at QCode, I would say the same is true. You know, we uh, tend to make shows that are eight to 10 episodes in length. And candidly, that's often to, uh, you know, play out the story, but also the reality that we need enough ad inventory to support the funding and the creation of the show. Now with Apple Podcasts subscriptions and our Q Code Plus offering, we can more easily create content that's shorter form. Maybe it's one episode or three episodes. Um, and really, that's the length that the story should be told in. That content we can monetize through our subscription rather than necessarily thinking about it as something that has to be ad supported. Are there formats, Steve, that uh, we haven't begun to explore or things that have been teased out that are interesting? I think, you know, you're talking about two episodes a year, you know, down to like the science of eight to 10. But are there these ideas that you're seeing people experiment with that that might signal podcasting as we know it actually has a whole new range of potential that creators are starting to work with it. I think there's so many different creative possibilities. And, and as you were just mentioning that, uh, Laura, I remember a show that came out a few years ago from Parents Magazine. Uh, it was all about pregnancy and what to uh, expect in each week of a pregnancy. And so they, I think, produced you know, around... I think it was like 32 episodes, something like that, because most people don't realize that they're pregnant for a little while. But each episode covered a different week of the pregnancy experience. They published them all at once, and they were available on demand in a really evergreen manner. I think it was a really clever way to think about you know, podcasts. And there might be a lot of other ideas out there for different brands to present a complete package of content in the same way that you might think about authoring a book or a video series that has a beginning, middle and end, and you're able to, to publish that and talk about that. I love that because it's thinking about the format in and as much as the narrative and combining those things can yield a one plus one equals three, you know, effect. And I think we'd love to tell stories in new ways and, and using more utility. Uh, as you just mentioned, so that's a really interesting example. Utility is a great way to think about it. Uh, I'll give you one other example, and, and certainly an opportunity out there for travel brands who might be listening. I've had so many trips where I had intended to look up the best restaurants or sites to visit at my destination ahead of my, my trip. And the reality is it just ran out of time. Uh, I went to uh, Scotland a couple of years ago and was uh, felt like I was unprepared. And I remember thinking, I wish there was just a podcast that I could download that would give me my, my tour guide, my audio uh, you know, visitor's guide that would tell me about the cool castles and restaurants and episodes on the different cities I was going to visit and be able to listen to that on my plane ride to Scotland. Um, and so I just think that there's so many different utility kind of shows that could be made, as you mentioned, Laura. Travel's going to, it's a great example. It's going to come roaring back. And it's something that, um, you know, airlines especially should be thinking about their spaces and places and audio 
fulfilling kind of that travel experience is so exciting. Um, so not just when you get somewhere, but I, I love the idea, Steve, of like, as you go. Just, yeah, even thinking about a podcasting channel specifically for in-flight entertainment. Um, there's a whole world of imagination there. Steve, can we go into the Steve Wilson like vault for a second? I feel like you are sitting on a decade worth of insight and knowledge. People probably asking, how do I get on the top 10? Or, you know, what does it take to be in the, you know, what's new and next? Over the years, what have been the Steve Wilson FAQs for succeeding in podcasting? You know, I, I think first and foremost, in creating a great podcast, you, you know, you do have to think about your audience. You know, this is uh, going to, come across as so basic, but oftentimes when people create stories, they they need to think about what's in it for that listener at the end of the journey, you know? Uh, what do you want a listener to get out of it? And they need to be sure to present that uh, in their actual messaging on the show. So many people just say, hey, new episode now available, you know, when they post on social media around their their shows, but they don't necessarily tell the full story of what their podcast is about and what you want a, a user to get out of it. Uh, in terms of, of really uh, reaching an audience and working with platforms, I think, you know, reaching out to platforms, you got to keep in mind is a pitch. And that's also involves, you know, telling your story to the platforms, what you're doing, how you're building an audience, how you're leveraging their platform, and, and what, what your vision is overall. Because I think when you pitch your story in that, in that compelling way, the platforms, of course, want to work with the brightest, most innovative creators. And so they're going to be... Uh, compelled to want to feature your show and help it grow on their platform. That's really the mutual goal of any platform and publisher is to help that content succeed on their platform. So I think really crafting your message uh, as, as a pitch and how platforms can get on board to support what you're already doing and, and how you're already in motion is a really great way to think about positioning yourself specifically for those platforms. Are there things that you would say like must do's to develop audience in podcasting? Well, really, really quick to go back to that audience need, I, I just think really considering what that is and how, how especially brands can interact with that. Uh, there's so many fun opportunities. You know, I don't, I don't know if you have anybody uh, who listens to your show from places like Sherman Williams or Bear, but I, I've really <laughs> wanted to hear that podcast that always that talks about color psychology. We all love thinking about colors and we know that really basic level of, of, of color psychology. But even though this is an audio medium, I think you can tell really fun and interesting stories around color. Um, and that might be something that would be perfect for an expert like one of those companies I mentioned to, to get involved in. So think about what an audience might be interested in and, and how that might fit into their life. You know, we're in the process of painting our kitchen. And, you know, there's some insights I can glean from articles out there and websites. But I, I would love to listen to that podcast, but I also have some opportunities to go for a walk here and want to learn a little bit more. So um, yeah, I think thinking deeply about what an audience might want or what even on kind of a, you know, a pop psychology uh, kind of level uh, consumers are interested in. You know, I uh, spent a long time before working on the podcast team at Apple in Apple's education division and helped build iTunes U, which was an educational I remember uh, it. podcasting platform. And people all the time were looking for the science of superheroes and these intersections between uh, learning and life in a really compelling way that I think that's one opportunity that brands really have is to to help educate people and leverage the audio medium to fit better into their lives while people might be on the go. Yes, uh, 100%. I agree. I think you basically content breaks down into two major buckets. 
education and entertainment. And when you can combine the two, woo, it's exciting. It's a huge opportunity for brands. Real quick, Steve, social audio, what's your take? Well, I think that there's um, a lot of different approaches going on right now, which is really great. I, I've been really enjoying Clubhouse and, and it's been exciting to see and chat with you guys there. You know, I think part of what's happening right now reminds me a little bit of, of the live streaming apps from a few years ago, Periscope and you know Meerkat and those sorts of things, but uh, a little bit uh, a little bit easier to fit, fit into people's lives. You don't have to get on camera uh, and make sure you you look great. Uh, it's much more open to everyone participating and actually empowers what people are saying, their words and their speech rather than what they look like and, and where they are and the things in the background there. So I'm really excited about the uh, ability to connect over social audio apps in that way. Um, there's a whole other bucket of experimentation happening around you know, taking longer form audio and making it more digestible in a social context. And in that, in that space, there's a lot of different ways you know, audio can fit in whether that's a more native uh, experience uh, still on demand on the social platforms, um, but really lending itself to that greater discoverability in, in ways in which, you know, when we want to learn about a new HBO or Netflix series, there's oftentimes great short video that helps market that program. Those are the kinds of things we're investing in in QCO to help people get into our series with the understanding that they're, they're a longer, a longer, more scripted, immersive experience that we want them to, to go and participate in. What are you listening to right now, Steve? Oh, man. Um, variety of things. So I'm listening to All Fantasy Everything, uh, which is a show created by Ian Carmel. He's a writer for James Corden. But it's uh, a few comedians who fantasy draft here. I'm doing air quotes for your, for your listeners. <laughs> uh, favorite topics, uh, whether that's best food or vacation activities. They sort of go in a, and around and talk about their, their favorite picks within those topics. It's a really fun listen. Um, also really enjoying um, uh, uh, Life of Leon from uh, Lauren Shippen uh, and her team over there. It's a great scripted fiction show. would want to shout them out as well. All right. We'll have to download those and check them out. Steve, before we get into our final game, what is your critique of Atlandia? What can we be doing better? What about our new show art? Oh, <laughs> gosh. Show art. He's like, I haven't even seen it, you guys. No, I, I have seen it. Let me take a look at it here. Let me pull it up. I mean, look, I, I love it. I love the the styled type treatment that you have here that feels like that, that greeting card um, and, and a place where we all exist here talking about brands and advertising. Uh, I, I don't really have a lot of criticisms here to, to offer. I mean, you know, out of 10, what are we getting out of 10? I would say uh, 9.25. Is that oh, right? You know? All right. Room for improvement. I like yeah. that. I love, your, I love your description and I love your episode titles as well here, guys. You, you guys are nailing it. Steve, you're very nice. Steve Wilson, sign of approval. (laughs) Steve, bye, bye, bye. What would you say goodbye to? What would you purchase? And what would you do yourself? Okay, so for keeping this in the podcast industry, I would say goodbye to uh, calling podcasting the wild, wild west or discovery is broken. I think that these phrases are often repeated in podcasts, but as the medium continues to grow, We have a lot of great solutions that make podcasts more and more mainstream. So get rid of those phrases. Let's cut them out. They're a trope. No more wild, wild west of podcasting. We've gone mainstream. We've gone mainstream. We've gone mainstream. What would you buy? I would uh, buy ad inventory and podcasts. What would you do yourself? 
What would I do myself? I think that there's a huge opportunity in kids' content. You know, if you think about the amount of time that parents and kids uh, spend together uh, in the car, and maybe hopefully soon uh, will again, there are a lot of podcasts that aren't safe to listen to with your kids and family. Um, but there's so many places in which you know kids could be enjoying audio more, and particularly as parents think about you know the amount of screen time they want their kids to. Uh, engage with uh, apps and entertainment. It's a, it's a constant struggle. There's an opportunity around kids' content that could be educational and informative, but allow allow kids to color or build blocks. You know, that's something that my kids really love to do: is listening to a podcast and coloring what they're hearing and learning about at the same time. So I'd really invest a, a lot more in in kids' media and audio. If you can get my kid listening to a podcast. I would be thrilled. My kid, I've How do your kids? She's five. And she okay. is like, she she like laughs at it. She's like, turn this off. <laughs> but I agree. I think it's a it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. There's some great kids shows out there. Wow in the world is uh, a big family favorite uh, with Guy Raz. Uh, it's and uh, it's 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 something to definitely check out with the kids. Steve, if people want to get in touch with you to evaluate their cover art, but more importantly, do business uh, with Q Code. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, you could look me up on Twitter at Stephen Wilson on Twitter, uh, Stephen with a PH or go to QCodeMedia.com. Steve, this has been awesome. Look, I'm new to actually being able to appear on podcasts, uh, guys, in my new role. So um, I, I'm excited to be really your like this is my first podcast guesting experience. So really? Oh, this is awesome. Let's turn the tables here. How did I do uh, as a guest on your podcast? You were great. Here's what I would say. You have to come back. We're going to make okay. Steve Wilson a recurring character. I'd be so honored. I love that. I would say I'd be honored to collaborate. You know, your your listeners won't have seen this, but uh, Alexa leaned in and winked here. And so I did. Ryan and I, you know, thinking about the, the sort of sound design and audio, you know, that kind of audio drama effect that you could get here. I'd, I'd, I'd be so happy to, to be with you guys again. Steve, thank you so, so much for being your first podcast. Congrats on your new role, Chief Strategy Officer at Q Code. And thank you for always being a vocal supporter of us. Uh, it meant a lot and you helped us so much get started. So. Yes. Thank you. Big hat tip to you. Well, thank you guys. Wonderful to be with you. And thanks again. That was a long time coming. It was great to have Steve on the show. Thank you, Steve, for not only being like true kind of early supporters of us and Atlandia, but also just being a great friend where we could call and say, what's happening and what's next and get your thoughts on it. So this conversation and all the things that have been happening in the audio and podcast acquisition space, Spotify just announced that they acquired another huge show, Armchair Expert. By the way, Monica Padman, who's the co-host of Armchair Expert, is coming on the show. Big congrats to her and Dak Shepard on that acquisition. There's so much going on in this space. And it got me thinking, and there's a lot of conversation in Twitterverse around this as well, from Substack to audio. But institutional versus creator? And can they kind of coexist? And when I say institutional, I'm talking about big, mature, established companies like Spotify. Like, can Spotify, you know, acquire these giant shows, as well as sponsor or create a community for creators? Or are they at odds inherently? And I actually am in the camp and a big believer that they can coexist. 
And so there is a world where kind of bigger, mature company can actually exist. And in fact, maybe even continue to help grow the creator economy and the individual contributor. So I'm a big fan of what's happening in the audio space for this. And I think it's looked at less so right now. Um, but definitely more to come as Apple and Spotify get into the creator space. I think it's a great setup in thinking about the use case of audio and how the barrier of entry into audio is so low. The cost to do it, the time to do it, the accessibility to do it in comparison to the production of other types of media to be able to put ideas out in the world and see what sticks. And I think so. it's a great point, Laura, around testing in audio. I think right now brands can still, and there are very few places brands can do this. In my opinion, brands should not just be doing advertising and pre-roll spots and your standard placement. They should be really going into deeper partnerships and exploring how does that brand express in different genres? How does that brand express in fictional scripted work? How does that brand kind of add to the layer of this kind of creative space where they really don't have a lot to lose? They have a lot of community potentially to reach and to gain. So I'm bullish on you know, more experimentation that's outside of standard advertising. I couldn't agree more, Alex. And I think we are really at an interesting point where we need to push on format, form factor, monetization, use case, all of the things. This medium allows us to have a wide ranging testing ground to do all of it. And so uh, excited to see what Steve does at Q Code. So much happening there. And uh, thanks again to Steve for joining us for a really insightful conversation. Thanks, Steve. Laura, hit it with the list of all of our friends and family at iHeart who have been so good to us and helped us get back on air. Big thank you to Bob, Connell, Carter, Andy, Eric, Gail, Val, Michael, Jen. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We'll see you in two weeks. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.